So this is it The end of you and me And everything in between But their expectations Were always bound to bleed This is WKNC 88.1 FM HD1 Raleigh. I am The Loaf, and this is Off the Record, an artist interview podcast slash spotlight slash whatever it is. I just talk to the local artists. Well, I do personally here at the station. Uh, today in the studio, I have a Condado uh, here to talk about their latest album. Everything I've done is not enough. First off, how are you guys doing? We're doing good. 
<laughs> Should probably my bad. Yeah, just, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, we just finished playing the Den in Winston Salem this past weekend. Uh, yeah, it's kind of just another usual week for us, but you know, it's it's great to be back out this far into the Raleigh area. You know, it's nice to not be lugging around instruments. Yeah, either. we're just <laughs> talking about music. <laughs> When's the last time we played Raleigh? Uh, it's probably school kids. Yeah, yeah. The last oh, time we played oh us too. We played Ruby Deluxe because they were sick. But yeah, we did it. So, so, so first off, before we get more into it, uh, what, 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 like, uh, introduce yourselves. You know, what do you play? What's what's the role in the band? Yada yada yada. Uh, I'm Alberto Velasquez, but everyone calls me Birdie, and I'm the front man. I play guitar and sing. Uh, I'm Josh Reed. I am the lead guitarist, and uh, I sometimes sing. <laughs> he yells and cries. <laughs> uh, I'm Javon Trinidad. Uh, people know me as Jay, but I play bass and I do some singing here and there. Yeah. I'm Ananth Singh and I play drums and I don't do any singing. <laughs> <laughs> nice. How long uh, uh, How long have you guys making, been making music together? Has it been a while? Uh, if you want to count the very original form of the band, it started in uh, December of 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, we announced it on New Year's Day of 2018, and then um, Anunt joined the band in April or May of 2019. Okay. How, uh, uh, how old are you guys? I'm 25. Josh is I'm 26. 26. I'm 26 as well. I'm 29. Okay. Sick. <laughs> 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 Grandpa and, I, and I'm I'm baby bird I guess yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh so so so, so y'all have been making music for about four years right um what was your sort of goal like starting out like with this band it what, was it just like a fun thing did did y'all just like jam out all the time and then you're like okay let's just actually record stuff like like what what was up how did this come to be well I I was already making music with people um specifically with Kevin who used to be in the band and um. I was making music with Kevin and his brothers. His brothers, you know, kind of weren't up to the the full-fledged commitment at the time, and I needed to find people that were willing to, I guess, you know, put their full attention towards it. And so a year and a half prior to starting the band, I ran into Josh and Javon at a guitar center, and um, I, I saw Josh playing some Hozier song on electric guitar, <laughs> and I was just like, hey, that's, that's pretty cool. And so we kind of sat in the acoustic room and jammed for a little bit, and we exchanged information. But then for that year and a half, it was a bunch of, yeah, phone tag, just like, yo, you, you down to jam or something? Yeah, 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 let's do it. And then, like, one of us would just cancel on the other, and it would just keep on happening. Then eventually, I hit him up, and I was like, bro, like, you and your buddy that was there that day, like, that's... Y'all are the only people that I can see, like, making this happen, and, like, I need musicians that are consistent. When's the soonest we can meet up? And Josh was like, well, I'm I'm helping do music at a church, and I've got keys to the church so we can go in. It doesn't matter how late. I'm like, let's just do it now. And it was, like, 1 or 2 in the morning or something. Nice. And uh, the three of us were there. Kevin was not able to be there that night, but um, we wrote Army Jacket pretty much, like, right then and there. Nice. And since then, it's kind of been... I mean, we all work day jobs, but it's kind of been a thing where we're making the music that we want to hear, that we really care about, and that we love. And in the meantime, we're willing to kind of deal with working the day jobs and stuff like that to supplement our lives. But eventually, we'd like to go on the road and travel and see everything as a group and do music to, you know, 
to pay do it bills. and to pay the bills. Pay the bills. Yeah. Not, <laughs> not to be rich, <laughs> but just to do what we love full time. Nice. Um, so, so uh, a, a little bit about the name. Uh, Condado means community in Spanish, correct? It means county. County actually. in Spanish. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, w- w- why did you decide to name your band County? So I had the band name in my head um, because two of the members, uh, Kevin and I, were we're from Randolph County, and there's not really a whole lot going on there. It's a really rural uh, place, and there's the this constant cliche in like pop punk and emo music where it's like I want to leave my hometown with my friends, and I'm just <laughs> like, bro, like just like accept the fact that you're from where you're from and like make it happen regardless of any like kind of adversity you might face from like a lack of a scene or lack of diversity or something so for me it's just kind of like a constant reminder to like that like we come from a certain place and we we're gonna make it happen regardless of where we're from we're not okay you know we're not gonna let the fact that we're not in a city that's like popping with like a lot of like small artist support stop us from anything and so yeah that's where the name came around okay I like that message where it where it seems like it's very much uh, just sort of a, like they just sort of like breaking through just no matter what no matter the like adversities or the problems and just sort of making it your own. Is that it? it, it is that the sort of like goal of the of the band? Like for you guys, is is that how all of you see it? Just sort of just like it's very much just doing your own thing and then just like being there and being loud and just like 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 is that what it's all about? The DIY aesthetic is really important yeah. to us, especially that we put out the new record and it sounds the way it sounds and we still did it all ourselves. Okay. Um, writing, recording, producing, mixing, mastering, promo, all of it um, is still us. And so it's kind of like, for me, uh, it's like, I don't really know how to do it any other way because we've done it this way for so long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, like even even as long as it took, you know, because we the, the, those who have oh, been to our shows and stuff, <laughs> you know, it's always you know, hey, we'll have merch soon. Or, yeah. <laughs> or We've been, been working, working on, on this album. album. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm like, we have an album. <laughs> Thank goodness. But um, yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely. I think it's just always been about you know, pulling from our influences, but still putting out music that we like and that we want to hear out in the world, but also that's very attainable and accessible by all music tastes. Like, you know, we, we find ourselves playing shows and, you know, we got people that look like us out there saying like, yo, like, I, I really love this kind of music and I kind of got made fun of growing up for listening to it because everyone thinks I'd be listening to like hip hop or like Latin music or whatever the case may yeah. be. And they're like, it's really cool to see that people like y'all are doing this and being original and, um, you know, doing what y'all want to do regardless of what anybody says. So that's yeah. definitely the motto for sure. Nice. It's a, it, it's always great to have more vo- voices in like a music scene and just like in general, like different, different like origins and backgrounds. Um, so, so speaking of your uh, new album, uh, it just came out November 5th, uh, I, at the beginning, uh, we did play uh, well two songs from it: uh, "Army Jacket" and uh, "A Lighter Will Burn a Bridge." Fine. Uh, so, so speaking about your new album, uh, "Everything I've Done Is Not Enough," it is a re-record, re-remix, and remaster of both your EPs, and 
2019 sick uh singles how did that come to be why did you want to do this what it, it seems like it's a very dramatic shift in your sound from compared to when you first released stuff i think that whenever we decided to record the first ep um we had already been a band for six months and people were like when are you going to put out music and i kept on telling the other three like we are doing this completely by ourselves or self-funded at least because we did do it at a studio but um First impression is very important. I don't want us going out there and looking amateurish and stuff like that because I think a lot of DIY is very accepting of music of all skill levels and musicians of all skill levels, and that's fine. But, you know, I really wanted to make it a point that we were super serious about it and that we had lasting power and, you know, wanted to do this for real eventually. And so um, that first EP was recorded live no click all in the same room just throw the mics up and you know we nice. paid for as much mixing as we could afford which was not a whole lot of in-depth mixing and uh the first ep came out um i think people to this day say it's kind of like charming in the sense that it's kind of dry sounding and not a whole yeah. lot's going on and i do agree with that but ever since um the personnel change whenever anunt joined the band um the band itself sounds very different. And Anunt was there for the writing process for the EP Sable, um, mm -hmm. and that was recorded at home, but that was also recorded at home before we really knew what we were doing. That was before I started uh, pursuing an um, a audio engineering degree, and that was before Anunt really started to teach himself a lot of stuff regarding um, recording and mixing and things like that. And so we just kind of got tired with prefacing showing somebody our music with the phrase, you know, this is our stuff. We sound different now, but like this is what's <laughs> out. Like, it's, just, it's the corniest thing you could ever say. And so yeah. we just, we wanted something that was more representative of what we sound like and who we are, especially moving forward with more out-of-state gigs being um, more frequent, I guess. Yeah. You know, we want the first impression for people that have never heard of us to be what they heard that night whenever they came to the rock show. So <laughs> the rock show, but, uh, a local show. I don't know. I don't know if y'all want to add anything regarding the importance of why we decided to re-record everything. No, I mean like that. Yeah, that that pretty much nails it because like, uh, us as people who hear this music like on a regular, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Sometimes it just hurt to play a show. And then, to, and then to drive home and then listen, just like listen back to one how you played it, and then two to what people are actually hearing. Yeah, is just okay. So important. So okay. Yeah the uh, the fact that I can put on the new record and then listen to like um, microwaves much love right after that and think, okay, I'm proud of what we did. <laughs> Like I'm proud of the way this sounds. Yeah, Finally, you know, fidelity. It, yeah. it, like, it feels like it belongs in a professional music space now. Yeah, it's very it's it's competitively loud. It's uh competitively HD. Not that the original recordings were bad in any kind of way. It's just you know this is much more of a polished kind of more commercially viable sound, which you know moving forward I think is kind of important. Nice. Um. So. How long have you all been working on this album? Has it always been in that process where, like, you, you, you felt bad about, like, what, what you're performing versus what is heard, like, recorded? And, like, has it always just been in 
the, the wheelhouse and he just finally just got it out or like what's up it, with it? it with the with it being very diy it took like the oldest tracks on this record the date is probably 2020 oh, like some of the nice. drums are super old um and like it just happened in piecemeal and then really in the last like six seven eight months we decided to okay let's make this a project make this a priority and even then it was like we would go like a week or two without recording anything just because of people's schedules or stuff like people having kids mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah yeah everybody uh, has a life yeah but it it took a while but uh, i think that's also like that's a luxury of the diy thing and it's also uh you have to motivate yourself to get it done okay you know? Like you said, it did take a while, but I think looking back on it now, I was telling Javon the other day um, that I'm glad that it took as long as it did because throughout the recording process, there would be times where I would listen to what we had already recorded like last year. Mm-hmm. Like I don't even play that like that anymore. Yeah, I to go back and redo that. So okay, I'm glad that like. Yes, it took this long. Yes, we kept telling people, it's coming, just be patient. <laughs> like, it's so worth it now that people are, like, hitting all of us up individually and just being like, I like this part, and I like this part. And yeah. You guys did really good with all of it as a whole, or just, like, this section really stuck out to me this time after listening to it, and it's like, that yeah. makes it worth it to me, no matter how long it took. It could, I, we were talking to somebody, I think it was last night, and they were telling me their project took four years. Oh shit! I mean, that's different circumstances, but that's yeah, like yeah, yeah. Years. So like yeah. a year to us, we were like really, really trying to hunker down and get it done. But like, I'm glad that it took a year. It's definitely worth it. Definitely worth it. Nice. Uh, so, so uh, it, it is it very safe to say that this is this album is very much a growth of you guys over the years, and just sort of just like all just like having fun, just like coming together. And just like doing it all. Absolutely, it feels like a like a fresh start. And just like when I put the record on, I'm like, this is my band. This is what we sound like any given day of the week if we're playing a show. It's just the most accurate representation of who we are, what we sound like, what we like, um, our influences, everything. You know, it's just it's up to date. It's current, and I, I it's really really relieving. Nice. So first, I want to talk about uh army jacket uh which was played before the interview but before we started talking all that jazz um how do you feel about remaking that sort of old song that one of your one of your first songs like ever that you demoed in 2018 how what was the process was it very difficult do you have like a lot of emotional attachments to it like like were you excited to re-record that remix it like what was it like i think the most difficult part was getting the guitar tone right because whenever that the first EP comes on the the jangly kind of really bright and hoopy sounding guitars kind mm-hmm. of the the real priority for me because it, it just sound it just kind of like makes your ear kind of perk up whenever you hear it because it just sounds it doesn't sound like heavy angry guitar it just sounds kind of sparkly and so it mm-hmm. with how we play now and how the tone shifted for sable it's, it's kind of hard for me specifically to get that sound out of my guitar nowadays mm-hmm. unless i really kind of dial everything in so um we made it a point to try to use the 
the the equipment that would complement that sound the most. So that song is actually all um, processing, like guitar, like a guitar processor instead of amps oh, for okay. the for the guitars and the bass. Um, it's the only song on the record that every instrument is running through that. So we just okay. wanted to use some other flavors of amplification instead of what we normally use uh, live mm-hmm. um, to get that sound. But aside from that, you know, it was mainly get it sounding kind of punchier and heavier, which happens naturally with the way Anunt plays drums, but also <laughs> kind of still maintaining the groove and kind of lightheartedness of the song, you know. And um, okay. I think we were able to do that fairly easily because that song kind of evolved as the band did. Okay. Uh, So the drums, are the drums a big leading leading factor in, like, all these songs? Because it seems to be mentioned, mentioned a lot that, like, you're you're playing really sort of, it seems like the core and the bass of this album and its sound. Like, h- how do you feel about that? And is that true for, you think everybody else feels about that? How well, everybody else feel about that? So, I would say yes in the sense that we had to capture what it feels like to see us live on a recording mm-hmm. and now we have that okay um have that in the in the highest fidelity possible because we did that with sable but sable doesn't sound that great in hindsight mm-hmm. um but we've done it now um the way i play i'm very like meat and potatoes loud um metronomic like i don't do anything fancy yeah um all before i was in the band javon played drums and Kevin played drums on some songs. Yeah. Um and they they they're very like they it's a little m- bit more like agile like a lighter touch. Um they can play like fancier stuff than I can. Mm-hmm. Um but it just f- it feels way different. What what they told they told me I remember when I first came in audition it feels way different. It feels way more like grounded um especially mm-hmm. with now with the way Javon and I handle the bass and drums like there's a really good foundation um uh and we exhibit that live so yeah it's it's hugely important it was hugely important to me um to make sure the drums like people feel them and they feel the groove and they feel like you know it's it, it sounds a little bit more commercial than standard like midwest emo stuff yeah um so the band got a little bit heavier we turned up like we quote unquote turn the overdrive up yeah, a yeah. little bit. It sounds a little bit more Put exciting. Pedal, it it yeah. sounds a little bit more exciting. <laughs> it's a little bit more exciting in general. So yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. Literally. No. Yeah. I've, I've got a, got a vintage rap pedal that's on my board. I did see that during your live show at school kids. I like saw that rap pedal. I was like, dude, I love that. I love that so much. That's my old, that's in my own setup. So oh, that yeah. rap pedal, everything. So, so, um, I guess I, I would describe your earlier EPs as sort of Midwesty emo type of type of scenario. Where it's like very twinkly, I guess, and that's and that's also what Maddie, my general manager at the station, also described it as. I I, I like mentioned, oh, you know, Condado, I'm gonna interview them. Like, aren't they like very like twinkly and like Midwest emo? And I was like, yeah, uh, yeah, they are, but this new album rocks. Um, mm-hmm. so um, I guess this goes on to the point where uh, transitioning to like a, a lighter will burn a bridge fine. Uh. I think it's kind of like the like that and Army Jack are c- kind of seem like the most like twinkly sort of like mid Midwest emo, uh, it like sort of like inspiration. Well, not inspiration, but like keeping it that. And also, I remember you saying like in that school kids show that that uh, 
that that uh, that that title and that sort of song is like the most emo sounding thingy that you have. <laughs> so, um, was that a song that consciously you're like that and Army Jack was like, okay, we want to sort of still keep this identity a little bit during the beginning of of the um of the record, or was it more just like you know, or am I reading it completely wrong? Like, no, I think that those songs, whenever they were written, those were probably some of the biggest influences at the time. Yeah. I would say that. Personally, my biggest influences, instead of being the Midwest twinkly stuff, is more of the riffy kind of Philly emo stuff, like yeah. modern baseball and everyone that was, is and was on Lamo Records and that, those kinds of bands. Also, Oso, Thin Lips, um, Kayatana, Warriors, all those. Um, that that kind of music is really what resonated with me. But I think that the inherently, whenever I'm Whenever we were writing a song that sounds as emotional and kind of nostalgic as it does, um, mm -hmm. you know, you kind of lean towards a guitar tone that sounds a little cozier and a little bit more kind of like big question mark floating over you mm -hmm. instead of just really authoritative, very heavy and uh, distinguished kind of distorted guitar. I just don't think it fits as as well as, you know, a very mellow kind of soft touch in that case. So I think the songs just naturally sound more like that it wasn't exactly a at the forefront of my mind mm -hmm. but um definitely something that i think was somewhat preserved on the new recordings um okay but everything like anun said earlier is kind of just turned up a little bit or not they were they were also written closer to each other like in in the time frame of us you know being a group so oh, yeah like, within like weeks from each yeah, other yeah, yeah. Like weeks so like w through the whole album like you can still kind of like tell how like we're still evolving our sound and it's really still at this point not stopping. Like the album is just a capture of like the whole beginning chapter of our story of like how our sound started and where it is currently sitting. Like I don't ever see myself being comfortable like ever, even at shows and stuff with like the 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 tones that I'm getting at all. So like I'm I'm always mm -hmm. in a constant change with you know this and that. So like those two songs being so close to each other, like within the writing process of it like mm -hmm. i keep i feel like it keeps a really rooted natural kind of same sound as it is in itself and we we also made it a point to put the songs on this record in chronological order yeah i'm sure we yep. could have decided a, a a track list that was a little bit more i guess dynamic or appropriate for how the songs themselves sound but we just made it a point to release it in chronological order because we wanted people to hear the songs and how they've changed over the years, but all at once and all sounding very consistent. Yeah. So that was another thing that we wanted to focus on. Nice. Uh, I, <laughs> I loved, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. The first thing I, I guess you were talking about like comfy and punchy sounds like it's like a really like good way to describe your tone, which also you were trying, which you were describing too. I don't know. It's just like, it's just very sort of like warm, but it's like still like in your face sort of a little bit. Yeah. So I don't know. Um, I think the key to that sound to me is the mid range. A lot of people like to scoop it out in order for the detail and the the kind of woodier frequencies of the guitar to stick out. But I just want it to be kind of brash and kind of boxy and honky sounding because that's what's going to just cut through everything and, and hit your ear first as opposed to something that's kind of hollow in the middle, you know, so... Um, we use amplifiers made by a builder in Durham. Uh, his name is Chris Rossi. His uh, company is called Dusky Electronics, and um, we use his amplifiers, which have a very distinct kind of 
harmonically rich, very, very dense mid-range to them. So they just have this kind of really pleasant, like vintage kind of squawk. And so it just, it, if we're playing on single coil pickups, it'll do the jangly thing. If we're playing with humbuckers or with more distortion, it'll do the really gutsy kind of distorted thing. And there's nice. Uh, yeah, I th- I think that too many people out there are scooping their mids, and it makes me sad. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love duality in my music, especially. It, it seems like you guys always. That's what I enjoy about it is that duality of just sort of all these tones and these inspirations. It's great. All right. Well, now. Uh, now that we obviously talked a little bit about the the new album and the sort of uh, the songs in it, uh, I'm I'm put on two new two two more songs from them uh, from that album. Uh, these Mountain Family sure know how to make money and beer goggles. Hope you all enjoy. I've already soothed the burns from the radiation. Coming from the rage you felt when I wished you well And said I don't want complications I didn't mean it in a bad way I just figured that I'd always be honest You said to be honest, I'm always honest
All right, and we're back. These Mountain Family sure know how to make money. Uh, it seems like it's a very involved song. It seems like there's a lot of like moving parts, a lot of just like sounds in it. Um, how do you feel about? Uh, well, not not how you feel feel about it. Uh, how do you like it now that you've sort of re-recorded it and remixed it and everything? Uh, I think that the part that I like the most is the fact that the heavy hitting sections hit harder, and I think that I'm very proud of um, the way we were the way we recorded it and the way that we mixed it because I was even though I have like a slightly different voice now I feel when I sing I was very content with the way that the harmonies and like the ending of the song sounded on the original recording so it was definitely a point of mine to make sure that we we made things sound just as full and very choir-esque uh towards the end of the song I, I wanted to preserve that element of the old recording for sure and um I think that the new version just again just like the other stuff just has this weight and this punch and this steadiness that just um feels good and mm-hmm. kind of brings a little bit of um, anger to the track, a little yeah. bit of, you know, just like in your face. And you know, it's just <laughs> it's very, very important for that to be felt for that song, especially, I think. Uh, did you do like a lot of like, because you, your singing seems a lot better in this album. Did you do a lot of vocal training or is it just like you, you just got more comfortable so with it all? I I think that my voice and the journey that I've had with my voice um has kind of been a, a lot of ups and downs throughout my life. I did mm-hmm. a lot of uh, musical theater and choir in high school. Nice. And I had constant, <laughs> I had constant training there, and I think that's the best my voice ever sounded. Um, shortly after high school, I just had a lot of upper respiratory issues all the time, mm-hmm. and I was very stuffy, and I didn't know how to how to project and stuff like that. Um, I've broken a lot of or damaged a lot of like cartilage and stuff in my nose, so like you know, I just kind of. I have a very deviated septum. Like I, I can't breathe. I suck at breathing. So it's, just, you know, it, it's, it's not. It's not the greatest thing. Not the greatest problem to have if you're trying to sing. But I feel like nowadays, um, um, you know, just really focusing on what my body is doing when I'm singing, and also the monitoring environment. Um, I do kind of what uh, the singer from Metallica does, where instead of headphones on, I've got a little speaker in the room uh, okay. in the booth, and so I feel like I'm singing with the track instead of like hearing. Uh, a duplicate of my voice in some headphones. I feel like I'm just singing in the room, and that feels a lot more natural to me. So we did a lot of um, recording that way on the record, and that also helped. And I think live, just in general, you know, running earplugs so I can kind of hear my own voice in my head definitely helps. I'm still not the best singer by any means. Sometimes I get really self-conscious about it, but I do think that um, the singing is a little bit more of a step up. And also there's a you know beautiful plug-in called Melodyne, which uh, cleans up some of the ugly notes here and there. But obviously I don't <laughs> yeah. I don't sound like T-Pain. So yeah. no, quick. <laughs> which, shout out T-Pain. He's got the same birthday as me. Just, just a very quick note. Like everybody on any track, unless they make it a point to say they didn't use it, everyone uses pitch correction. Okay. Everybody. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like it's industry standard for yeah. a reason. And, um, and pitch correction, you know, it, I think is you know it, it's definitely widely used, but it, it's also not a substitute for a good delivery. I think mm-hmm. you can still deliver something very emotionless and very underwhelmingly, and it, you know, auto tune or pitch correction is not going to fix that. So you know, I definitely made it a point to rip it <laughs> on these tracks yeah. as best I could. It, 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 uh, sorry, it, 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 didn't, it, it doesn't seem like you use any type of auto-tune or, or pitch correction at all, at least in listen to it. it. It's very much, it, it seems like you guys aren't using like much of it, but it's still there, right? Yeah, so I mean, it, it's there, but like you 
the performance is number one. Yeah. But number two is like we still we, you know, sometimes you need just that little bit of, especially when we're doing like stacked harmonies or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a lot. It everything just fits a little bit better. Ben, you know, like that's the best compliment to me. Um, if you use pitch correction and people don't recognize it, they say, "Oh, oh no, yeah, you don't." No. I'm like, then that that means we did it right. <laughs> yeah. but, you know. And there's also some spots where you know I'd be butting heads with it, and I'm like, I don't like the way that note came out. Like, please tune it. And you know, it's just like, no, like it's a it's a human performance. It's yeah. a yeah. it's meant to have little imperfections and things like that. So you know, if it's not blatantly horrible or like just like a a whole semitone away from where I was supposed to sing, then we just might keep it. So it's definitely not like every word on the album was tuned, but just no, the spots that needed it. Specific stuff. That was, by the way, that's another reason the album took a while. Yeah. Because we went through all these like yeah. iterations of like, oh, you know, let's record the guitars this way. And then Josh was unha- not happy with his tone or we couldn't get it right or whatever. So he went for all the songs that were on EP1, he went through the processor. And then we... The first big hurdle that I remember was Birdie not being happy with his voice. Like, and it, it it was just like it wasn't bad, but he was trying to sing with headphones, and I was like, we just trying different stuff, and I was like, you know what? I feel like you were used to hearing your voice as it is in a room with no like no head like you as it comes out of your mouth. Mm-hmm. So let's try putting a monitor in the room, and it, it was like a switch flip, and it was like he was hitting everything. As he usually does, as he usually do, he does, like live. Yeah, yeah. and we we really kind of like made it a point, like through the recording from that point on, like vocally, was what this is like strictly things that we can do live. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like we we try to you know in Pansy we did add you know some some cool little vocal flare things in comparison to the old recording. Like but more like, harmonies, yeah, and like, stuff. like yeah. harmony yeah. things, but like we we didn't want to get too out of pocket to where it sounded like it was super a, it overproduced. Was a piano voice yeah. Behind yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Like yeah. we we okay. we do make it a point that everything that's on the record is we're not missing too many components when we play live. We want to be able to okay. replicate it live. Okay, so it's not too overproduced. It's not too sort of like overvalued or like too I guess commercial. It still sounds very commercial and very professional, but. Your your ultimate goal is always to make it so that it sounds live, the same live as it is like in recording. Right, which um, a lighter will burn a bridge fine. Um, funny story about that song. We tried recording it to um, a click, but and even though that song has kind of tempo switches and stuff, but we realized that although we nailed it, it sounded really like sterile and like lifeless because it was locked to. Oh, so we actually okay. Okay. recorded the drums and bass at the same time live for that song. So that song is completely free, um, unlike the other ones that were recorded to a metronome. Uh, uh, Lighter was actually recorded live because that song okay. needed it the most. Nice. It seems like your, your guys' process is a very big part of your music, and that's awesome because, like, I mean... You know what? It's seems like it's a long process, but it seems it, it was definitely worth it. Um, so uh, beer goggles. Um, first I heard this was obviously during the live show. Well, well, well first time I heard you guys were, was during the the live show. Um, <laughs> and I think I, I don't know. Um, I remember you guys saying that it's like a SpongeBob reference or something. 
at one point. Oh no, mm-hmm. that, that? that's a, that's actually a <laughs> different song a called Bold and Brash. Yeah, Bold and Brash. Yeah, that, okay. that that that'll be coming okay. on the on the next record. Uh, okay, but, okay. You know, there's there's a SpongeBob episode, you know, where he's he's like, I call this one Bold and Brash, <laughs> and more like belongs in the trash. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, Beer Goggles is a song that um, the whole the whole thing that made it different back in the day, and back in the day in the old lineup of the band, there was a lot of instrument rotation. Um, I had originally. Or Javon presented a guitar riff for that song, and I had written the drum part. Um, and so that song was definitely a, a standout moment. And we were actually, it was actually going to go on EP1, but uh, there was actually an emergency with our old bandmate where his brothers were in a car accident while we were, you know, in the studio, like recording and everything. And so we kind of, there was a, a little bit of a very understandable loss of focus, and we just didn't continue with that song just because we were having difficulties recording it in that very moment. But um, definitely um, kind of a heavier song, and, and Javon has a has a huge hand in the way it sounds and how it was written, and it's been through quite a few different iterations. There's been the original one that was recorded at the Haywood House in Greensboro, and then there was Beer Goggles 2, which was recorded <laughs> at home, and then this is Beer Goggles 3, which sounds a lot like Beer Goggles 2. Um, yeah, they're the same drums. Same drums. But okay. uh, we, we just made it, you know, even more representative of what it sounds like today. So Nice. Um, Beer Goggles was a song. It, 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 it is a song where um, you're talking about uh, love and sort of like through sober eyes and it's it's different through sober eyes and sort of drunk eyes right yeah. um o- 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 what is that about D- did that come from like an actual experience like an actual like relationship or it's just kind of just like whatever <laughs> so yeah i mean you know typically as it is is uh, i speak from actual experience in that um you know growing up as a kid you know trying to do whatever i want to do you know respectively so everybody goes through their own kind of you know pass in life and mm-hmm. Mine at that time frame was drinking away and not really doing anything productive with myself. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it sort of kind of talks about how the drinking away and not not using yourself to your full abilities can bleed into the simple things like relationships in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, and whereas, you know, that is somebody who is probably could be better for you in a different situation you just refuse to put yourself in that spot because you refuse to let go of like little habits such as like drinking and things like that so yeah it's you know just a song about the importance of anybody can have a beer anybody can have a shot you know yeah it is is, dude yeah it's just a part of this world but you gotta you, you gotta keep it to a level to where you don't let it control outside of whatever it is you do because it it can it can ruin other people around you and you know okay in like just a quick second you know okay so, uh, that that's what pretty much the whole writing scheme is about is just how I was uncareful with pretty much the the situation that I was in with alcohol awesome uh that's a great journey <laughs> yeah it, it, it really with that is. song yeah. yeah that's awesome uh I, I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, so uh, moving on to Haywood. Uh, Haywood is um, I, I, you mentioned it previously. Um, it's where you recorded uh, a lot of stuff, right? At, at Haywood. Yeah. So Haywood refers to Haywood Street, which is kind of near UNCG's campus, and um, 
my um, old bandmate Kevin was friends with these two guys named Daniel and Larry. And Daniel and Larry were studying at UNCG at the time, and they were um, uh, percussion performance majors. So they were, you know, uh, very, very, very talented musicians. And Kevin was uh, roommates with them. And so, you know, we now had a new place to rehearse, um, and we would go over to the house and what was supposed to be kind of like a a room that connected the kitchen and the living room that was originally, I guess, intended to be a dining room ended up being a music room with a ton of instruments and stuff. Nice. Hence the first lyrics of the song. But um, Haywood was a was a spot where we would go hang out, where we'd go write music, where we'd record our stuff, um, where we would meet up before shows, um, rehearse, all that stuff. And whenever um, Kevin ended up moving away, uh, Josh needed a place to stay, so he moved in. And so yeah. through both uh, lineups and phases of the band, we were um, at that house very often. My so. first audition, the audition, I auditioned at Haywood. Yeah. And I learned seven, the only thing that was out at that point was the EP one and the three singles. And I learned them all. Yeah, so that even in the later stages of us being involved with that house, like it, it means a lot to all of us. And I'm saying even myself, even though yeah. I was there a limited amount of time, like it was just like the vibe it was like, you know, like, it was a pivotal. It was, it was a, it was a, it was, it was kind of like a, this touchstone. It was like crusty and like walking in there and be like, I don't know who, like there'd be like random people in there just hanging out, yeah. you know, friends, uh, playing Smash Brothers, nice. playing whatever it was like Splatoon or some shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, Larry and Daniel both, like uh, Brody was saying, they goofy, were, <laughs> very goofy. They were um, they were musicians as well. So it was like at any given moment there was somebody playing something in yeah. the house. And then when Kevin Sick. moved out and I had moved in, um, Brody was like, "You're gonna have to learn." all those lead lines and you're gonna have to start writing lead lines and stuff like that and I was like I'm not a lead guitarist bro I don't I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't do that yeah cause the the way the old format of the band was um the the usual rotation was between Josh and Kevin um they would flip flop back and forth depending on the song between lead guitar and bass mm-hmm. and Javon was on drums and then on the newer stuff that ended up becoming Sable um Javon was writing bass parts anyway um so that's kinda how that worked but and so like during that, like, just talking about how, like, pivotal pay, uh, Haywood was, like, for a nut, he was only there for a brief period of time, but it got him in with us, and then for me, that house, like, it was just inspiring to come home from work, and, like, Larry and Daniel would either be practicing or studying or doing, it's like, okay, so I need to do something myself. Yeah. So I would just lock myself in my room for a couple of hours, and be like, I gotta learn something, I gotta come up with something. Nice. So, like, the more I did that, the better I got at playing and getting more confident with the way that I play. Um, and I don't know, yeah. Haywood was just, it was all just because of being in that house, just being motivated by what was going on in there, even if it was some goofy moments. And <laughs> it really, it really, it really facilitated the thing that, like, you hear a bunch of, like, old heads or older people, older musicians talk about how you got to like get in a room together and play. Mm-hmm. That was where it started. Like you all, you need a space to come together and you need yeah, a space yeah. to play with each other and play off each other and write stuff off the cuff. Let's, uh, that's really important. 
especially if you're like in a rock band um, in this genre. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's what it was for us because that room is so tiny. It's like the size of this room. <laughs> yeah. It's like, like really, it is nice. exactly. And we had a whole drum set and all the amps and everything. Maybe. Yeah, it was so small. It, was so, it got room, so yeah. hot. <laughs> but like that, that's how you cut your teeth. Yeah, and uh, nice. and that that's especially why I wrote the first chorus the way I did because I wanted to capture what was going on at any given moment. You know, um, at one point, uh, Larry and Daniel were playing Smash Brothers, and someone beat the other person, and they just started kind of like slapping at each other, making funny <laughs> noises, which resulted in one chasing the other down the street. You know, whoever girlfriends or partners were at the time they would be you know on the couch just like waiting for us to get done with rehearsal you know knocked out regardless <laughs> of how People blaring be loud sleeping, it was be sleeping while, while sleeping we were playing and then the it was like a hundred decibels in the next room right <laughs> and and we would just grind songs out until you know they were what they needed to be so nice shout out to the neighbors also, yeah. <laughs> the neighbors had to deal with it. Hence the second chorus. Which we also <laughs> reference in the song. Yeah. yeah, the neighbors never complained about anything. Yeah. Um, uh, are, are, are y'all still visiting Haywood, or is it just sort of still uh, in the past? Uh, 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 so Dan- Daniel it? and Larry moved out, and um, a family moved in. Uh, okay. I, I do not know the family, but uh, uh, Javon took a picture of the house anyway for the original uh, album art. Oh, I have to, I have to say, they informed me that there was no longer homies living in that house, and I had to go by to take a picture for the album. So oh it felt so no! Weird having to go by and be like, "Hey, this is this house." That's how people got to feel at the American football house. They're like, oh, look. And they're like, please leave or whatever. I don't know who lives there. But, you know, but the new album art for the for the single that was released before the record came out, that was a picture actually from the 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 day of the first show we ever played, which was actually here in Raleigh. Oh, nice. At this place called the Radio Shack, which is someone's living room. Um, and the picture is me reaching for the camera because yeah. uh, Larry was taking – Holding the the shutter button on my iPhone for sixty four pictures, <laughs> and, and uh, would not give me the phone back. So that's me attempting to get the phone back from Larry, who <laughs> is a menace. But I love him. Nice. Uh, something that I think just talking about wrapping up, talking about Haywood. Okay. Um, yeah, it's the f- yes, sir, it's the first song to me that was completely written from scratch. With this lineup, because mm. oh, yeah. Birdie had written Sable a lot of the riffs and stuff before I joined, he was like, "Hey, I got these songs. They're kind of not finished, but here's some starting points and here's the ideas." Like Sable is like, it's super homogenous. Like it sounds like like the the perfect collection of these six songs that all go together. We we finished it up, mm-hmm. but we didn't. There was no like genesis, you know, like from start to from beginning to end with this new lineup. Haywood is the first song. Yeah. Nice. That As that a, is that because I remember Josh yeah. coming up with the riff. Um, yeah, yeah I, I don't remember the exact conversation, but I do remember like we're sitting around, and y'all had said y'all like I like the way this. It, we were talking about some song, and we were just talking about what we liked about it. And I was like, man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go home and write something like that. And I think I just <laughs> went home that night, and I was like, hey, what does this sound like to y'all? And Birdie was like, that's it. That's the one. We're just going to run with that. <laughs> We're going to come up with some more stuff. We'll, next time we meet up, we'll finish it. Nice. And um, it was just, it was that I, it was that easy. And I think songwriting with this lineup now 
it's still that easy. Yeah. It's it's cool. Nice. Yeah, it hasn't been like a pulling tooth and nail trying to like figure out what fits. We'll bring something to the table, and then the other three will be like, okay, well this fits here, and I have this idea from such and such. Let's just pull that from here and put that here, and then it just comes together, and it's just yeah. When so, it comes to songwriting, I'm a I'm a firm believer that. Um, you know, writer's block might be a thing if you're always going for a big picture project and starting and finishing something in one sit down. But every day I'm writing something, whether it be just like a one liner, like a, like a lyric or like a little riff or like I'm singing a melody or something. And, uh, because I'm, because we're all so consistent in our song ideas, we can kind of pull from different sources and different jot down moments and kind of throw it all together into this song pizza and it works so you know <laughs> nice it's really interesting uh, in the scope of the whole record this the whole thing's from army jacket to haywood was written with like different people writing different parts different members who aren't in the band anymore but it's kind of seen through the lens of the four of us now mm-hmm. um and it's kind of like this is ground zero okay we're starting here yeah next record is going to be entirely written with this lineup, like from scratch, and we've already basically got it written. Yeah, it's like, pretty oh. much written instrumentally. We've been sitting on probably eleven to thirteen songs since the beginning of the pandemic. Dope. Did you just sneak peek the ideas? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I, I I I am very excited for that. You, you, the, the, this new album rocks, and uh, it's just great. <laughs> thank you, thank you. All right. Uh, do you want to say something? Oh yeah, yeah. So um, you want right. your whole like search bar? You have a no. search bar. If <laughs> <laughs> you say that, it shows. If, if you got social media, then you know that there's a search bar. And I'm like, bruh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, before we go, um, where can where can people find you and uh, your music and stuff? So yeah, we have social medias. Uh, you know, Facebooks, Instagrams, uh, Twitter. We never use except yeah. for forwarding the Instagram posts yeah. to yeah. the Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> Um, they're all the same. It is Condado NC. That's C O N D A D O N C. You know, if you see somebody with an afro, then you know you, that's me. So it's the right page. <laughs> <laughs> on, on YouTube, you might afro. run into uh, uh, I think a Hispanic rapper, but we're we're also there. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sh- uh, sh- shout out Distro Kid for confusing us with a rapper from Puerto Rico. <laughs> I've actually spoken to him, and he likes our music. <laughs> Sick. All right, well, uh, thank you all again for, for coming in and talk about your new music and all about you guys. Uh, it was I it, it was it was great having you all here. <laughs> thank you so much thank you for having us. us. Yeah. All right, uh, I will leave you guys off, or at least the listeners off, uh, with uh, Beer Goggles and Haywood. Uh, thank you all for listening to... Uh, off the record here at WKNC 88.1 FM H2 in Raleigh. Y'all have a good day. Oh, yeah, what do I got to do? This is Bertie Velasquez with the band Condado, and you're listening to WKNC 88.1 FM Raleigh.
we spent our days all crammed